Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito What's up, buds? And as the puck drops, the words that DC fans have been waiting to hear since 1974, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. It's not a dream. It's not a desert barrage, it's Lord Stanley, and he is coming to Washington. Welcome back to Draper's Rink Radio. I'm your host, Adam Stringham, and today I'm happy to be joined by John Press, managing editor of Draper's Rink. How you doing, John? Uh, I'm pretty good, all things considered. Uh, didn't really enjoy Game 3 of this series, but the Caps are still up 2-1, and they are still uh, the defending Stanley Cup champions until they're not. So, uh, you know, it could be worse. You? Yeah, about, about the same. Uh, you know, I was just thinking about kind of how if we had seen a game like the one we saw um, on whatever night that was, uh, <laughs> whatever night Game Monday. 3 was, yes, Monday night, um, Probably would have been a bit of panic, and I guess just kind of the reassuring thought that there is a, a banner in Capital One Arena, um, just, just you know, uh, one for the Stanley Cup champions makes me feel a little bit better. So, uh, yeah, well, I mean, we might want to go check on that because if uh, if they were ever if they were ever going to rescind that championship, it would have been after that Game Three effort. So, uh, but I, I think it's still there. So, uh, I think that that's going to be hanging there for a long time. So, so before we like you know are constructive and talk about you know like what 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 we would do if we were in charge to make the Capitals play better in Game Four, uh, let's just like for for fun, can you think of another game that was as bad as Game Three in Carolina? Well, I, I mean, that first of all. That's yes. That's what I do is think about. Uh, I mean, and it, you know that part of Caps fandom probably will never go away. Um, you know, thinking about the the pain and everything. And to be completely honest, that that pain made last year all the sweeter. Um, you know, there were certainly games that were more painful and more disappointing just by virtue of being later in series or being uh, you know elimination games. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Game Seven in two thousand nine against the Pens comes to mind. Game Seven against the Rangers in two thousand thirteen, another five zero stinker uh, comes to mind. Uh, but in terms of the actual quality of the Caps' play, uh, man, I don't know. Uh, there, there's obviously a lot of recency bias uh, at play here, but I, I'm definitely hard pressed to come up with a just 
more solid ass kicking that the Caps have taken in a game that mattered. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know you. Can, you. can you think of any? No, no. Th- those were really the two games that I thought about, like mainly the 2009 game against Pittsburgh. But even then, I mean, Washington, you know, the, ca- the Caps had a chance early, right? I mean, Ovi had the breakaway. Mm-hmm. They looked pretty good. And then all of a sudden, Pittsburgh got one and they collapsed, right? That That was it. It felt like, yeah. you know, but so I, I can't, but even then, like, I think they still got some shots, you know, at, le- at least like there was, there was a pulse. I mean, the Capitals flatlined for like 40 minutes of the game. Like, yeah, they had one, sh- like all, all I can remember is the OV backhand. Like that, that's it. Right. They literally had one shot on goal, uh, for about 40 minutes of hockey. Uh, and that, that may have included Orlov's, uh, shot from center ice. Uh, but, uh, it, yeah, I've, I've never seen anything like that where they have eight, nine, uh, shots after the first period. And, and I think five of those came in the last minute of, uh, uh, of regulation where they, the, the shot counter got generous for them. So, uh, I mean, it, I guess to put it in some perspective, uh, game one was, uh, to me, not a, a great uh, look for the Caps. I figured, uh, you know, they obviously escaped with a, a win, and it, you know, they got, jumped out to that early lead thanks to the power play, which I think we'll probably return to here in a few minutes to talk about. But um, you know, they jumped out to that lead. They sweated a little bit in the third period, but you know, ended up four uh, two. That game, uh, they had of the all the playoff games since uh, 2017 at the time. The Caps had the 356th score and venue-adjusted Corsi 4 percentage out of 358 games in the playoffs, and I think that they were better in that game than they were in Game Three. That you know the the Corsi 4 percentage may not show it, but uh, you know I think they were uh, better all around. So so yeah, I mean it was just a an absolute stinker. Uh, top to bottom I, I don't think there's any better way to to sort of encapsulate how bad it was uh than the fact that nbc sn whatever washington uh gave out their player of the game with a couple of minutes left and they gave it to holtby who had given up five goals on you know 40 something shots at that at that point and anytime that uh the guy who gave up five goals as your player of the game, uh, everything just went completely off the rails. So, yeah, uh, now it's time to see how they come, how they respond to that. Because that, uh, you know, there certainly was nothing like that on the cup run last year. Uh, and uh, quite frankly, I don't recall seeing anything like this from them in the playoffs. Just a complete egg that they laid. Yeah, you know, not in the playoffs, but I did find it interesting hearing some of the comparisons to, you know, the, that's kind of how the team looked right before the All-Star break, right? It was kind of this... Uh, and I'm, Yeah, I mean, I they hit some skids there, but... Uh, not that bad. <laughs> I mean, yeah, not that bad, and those games were, you know, sitting there and the, what they... They call the dog days of the season, you know, not the most interesting stretch of games, uh, not the most important stretch of games. So to see to see something like that last night, um, you know, and it's sort of, you know, they came out 
playing pretty well. I thought, especially the first line. I mean, Backstrom, uh, Ovechkin, and Wilson were buzzing early. Uh, then you get that uh, disaster of a turnover from Juice leads to that first Carolina goal. I think shots were even at that point. And uh, you have the uh, Ovi Svechnikov thing. I don't know how that may or may not have uh, impacted it, uh, what happened uh, the rest of the way. But, yeah, I mean, just top to bottom, a thorough ass-kicking. So that's what I was going to want to ask you about next was the Svechnikov-Ovi thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't – I don't know. Like, at the time, I kind of just watched it. I'm like, yeah, like, that's – I mean, they definitely – Svechnikov wanted to go, right? Like, there's there's no doubt that that was – I don't know if he – instigated it like i you know i don't know i couldn't hear it i couldn't but like sure. they, they certainly look like two willing combatants and you know it, it sounds kind of weird but i almost wonder if like Ovi didn't want to win like as big as he did after the fight like well i mean i, I don't think he, i don't think anybody wants to hurt somebody no you never want to see uh it, it's scary to see a guy down uh the way that svechnikov was it was uh you know, I, I certainly didn't like seeing it. I, uh, I, I can't imagine uh, most uh, fans would. I'm sure not any player or coach uh, in the arena enjoyed seeing that. Nobody, nobody wants to see that, and uh, it can affect you. Uh, I think I was listening to uh, Merrick and uh, Friedman's podcast, and they were talking about. Uh, an old-timey player, I forget who, uh, and they asked him why he didn't fight, and uh, he said he fought once early and hurt a guy so bad that uh, that he, the guy who threw the punches, uh, couldn't sleep for a week, and he just didn't want to have that feeling again. And, uh, you know, honestly, I, I can imagine it's affecting. Now, did it affect the Caps the rest of the way? I I don't know why it would. Uh, did it affect the Canes? I think it galvanized them a bit. You know, whatever, you take whatever rallying cries uh, you, you can get, and uh, that certainly seemed to be one for them. But, you know, as for the incident itself, it, it sure looked to me like everyone, like both guys had every opportunity to back away. You know, it's a little bit of this uh, hitting each other, uh, small slashes, then pushes, then... It, it sure looks like uh, both guys consent to go, say you want to go, let's go, whatever, uh, probably in Russian, who knows. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it, it was an unfortunate result, but I, I think, you know, I don't think you can fault Ovi as some people seem to be uh, faulting him. It, it was just a bad result of a somewhat innocuous uh, what should have been a somewhat innocuous incident, but uh, sometimes when you see guys fight who aren't necessarily fighters, the results aren't uh, aren't great. I mean, we saw Jacob Vrana fight in Tampa a few weeks back, and that you know he was lucky he didn't get hurt worse than he did because he, I mean, uh, who uh, was it, Sorella or Paquette? I forget one of those guys. Uh, <laughs> just fed him his lunch, you know, and, you know, bad things can happen in those cases. So, uh, you know, these, it's unfortunate. Um, I think that it's being sensationalized a little bit more than it should be or that it needs to be. Obviously we all hope that Svechnikov recovers quickly and fully. Um, and other than that, you know, uh, 
I don't know. Uh, it, it's I, I saw it. I said, "What the fuck was that?" You know, it just it didn't. It was so surprising and uh, so out of character. And you know, I do to an extent uh, think that the refs were letting things get a little out of control. Uh, and I think the officiating in the series hasn't been particularly good at. Um, some of the chippy stuff, you know, you saw Dougie Hamilton's elbow to Kuznetsov, yeah. which I, I for sure thought should have been a, suspe- uh, a one-game suspension. Uh, Furlan's hit on Dowd didn't bother me as much as it probably didn't even warrant the five minutes it got, but in real time, that's, that kind of thing happens. Uh, Ovechkin came up high on McGinn at one end of the ice in uh, game two, I think. Uh, Brooks Orpik gave a guy a shot in the uh, yam bag. Uh, you know, there, there's just a lot of stuff going on, and uh, officials need to get control of that stuff because, uh, you know, the way that Ovechkin and Svechnikov settled their differences is the, you know, the honorable way to do it, right? It, it's it's not the stick work. It's not the uh, chicken wing elbows. It's not the knees. It's not anything. Those two dudes uh, squared off and said, I'm not really thrilled with the way that you're playing against me right now, so let's escalate this thing a little bit so i don't know uh i I think that whoever is officiating game four will probably try to set a tone early to try to get this thing under control and i think they should yeah uh i I agree 100 percent. i mean especially on the hamilton hit i was thinking about that the other day and thinking man oh man how did that not get get a look uh from or, or you know at least something from the league acknowledging it or a fine or something right um, I guess they were. I guess they were so busy with the uh, cadre hit yeah. that uh, they didn't divert their attention for two seconds to look at this guy who throws a blatant elbow uh, right to the head with full intent. Like that was yep. no doubt at all. But yep. um, yeah, Svechnikov and Ovi, even in games one and two, though they were going at it a little bit. I, you know, you could kind of see it building as the series has gone on, and um, you know, certainly wish the best for Svechnikov uh, and hope he kind of is able to return to the series. Um, you, you never like to see guys go out. Uh, oh. k- kind of off the rails, but quick question for you: How do you feel about the league issuing a dynamic suspension, one that is not set in terms of games? Uh, like the rest of the series, yeah, kind like, of yeah, thing. Like, well, basically, what, what they gave Kadri. Like, I, I, I don't right. know how I feel about that. Um, you know, uh, for for Kadri, I probably would have called it five games or whatever instead of the rest of the series. Um, I think that makes more sense. Uh, But generally, I don't think I'm philosophically opposed to it. Um, I I think if, you know, if they had said Kadri's gone for the rest of the playoffs uh, and they'd reassess in the offseason, you know, I'm sure the players' union wouldn't be thrilled with that, but I I would be okay with it. Uh, I mean... You can give a guy a certain number of games, um, but it doesn't, you know, we all know that regular season games and uh, playoff games aren't equivalent. So um, in this case, I guess I'm fine with it, Um, but it it probably would have made more sense to just give him uh, five games and uh, call it a day on something longer. If it was like, you know, if if that happens in game six, what are you going to give him? the rest of the series or something and get and it's two games uh, that doesn't that doesn't make a whole lot of sense and uh i guess it also is difficult um 
when you're looking back on it for precedent because you know the the weight of that suspension is going to be uh considered next time Kadri does something and Kadri will do something else because that's the kind of player that he is um so you know if it's next year or whatever you look back on this and say oh he only got uh three games or whatever if Toronto wins or uh he got five games if uh it goes seven you know and and so the next thing he does is going to have to build on that so I think it's I think in terms of the precedent, it's kind of uh, going to be difficult to to manage. But uh, you know, I guess, I guess I talked myself into having a problem with it. So <laughs> <laughs> so so screw it. Uh, no good. Give me a set number. That's how I kind of feel a bit too. I mean, how do you? I just don't like know if I like the idea that uh, like if the league has ever made like a outright acknowledgement that it does not treat games the same in the playoffs as it does in the regular season, uh, I must have missed it. But I mean, this is like yeah. obvious, like a hundred percent. Yep, like we just don't want them to be able to play in the series. Yep, it's uh, I, I don't know how you can kind of do that. I mean, it's like I think right. that's a Tom Wilson. Oh, that, that's a whole other thing. I think about Tom Wilson's humongous suspension to start this year. And then I go, man, oh man, like, Kadri's record's even worse, like, got more spots on it than Wilson's. I mean, it, it's just kind of, it's a whole yeah. other issue. And so, so what are they going to next time, some, you know, if Wilson does something in the playoffs, what's it going to be for him? Is it going to be, are they going to give him, like, a, are we going to see a two round suspension next? Like, is this going to, the kind of thing we're going to see more in, in the NHL? But, yeah, it's a little strange. Uh, I don't, I don't love it. So, uh, and I mean, just circling back to the cap series, you definitely, <laughs> uh, definitely, uh, you gotta appreciate the fact that so far Wilson uh, has played within the bounds. I mean, this is a chippy uh, series so far, and Wilson has played very much within the bounds of uh, the rules. You know, whereas a guy like Furlan's running around trying to hit everybody and until he hurt himself trying to do so. So. Uh, yeah, uh, he, he's kept it under control, but, you know, he's a, a tinderbox waiting to go off at, at any time. You never know. Yeah, you know, I've been, uh, if there was a, you know, a three-game set watching where you think, yeah, Tom Wilson's going to have a reason to do something stupid, it might it might have been these last three games, but so far, so good. Uh, he's been playing relatively well. I, I I don't know what I'd be doing uh, to, to mix it up. Uh, I don't know if I'd insert the whole lines in a blender, but... Um, with Wilson playing how he is, what about you, John? Are you, are you looking to keep him kind of with Ovechkin, or are you looking to to, to blend everything up to try to spark a, spark some offense on the on the world's most potent offense? Yeah, uh, yeah, I I probably would mix things up after what I saw. Um, what I've seen so far in this series, uh, the first line's been very good um, most of the time out there, uh, especially prior to. You know, the, I guess the Svechnikov thing, if that's the the marker that you want to use. Uh, I haven't really liked the second line. I think TJ Oshie's been terrible. Uh, I think Kuznetsov has been bad. Um, obviously, each of them has uh, individual highlights you could point to that have been big and important, and I don't want to take away from those. But, uh, you know, when you look at the totality of their work, uh you know, going into the games of Tuesday night, TJ Oshie had the worst uh, Corsi percentage in 
in the playoffs and of course you know that that's a small sample and it only means so much or whatever but uh when he's been on the ice the canes basically are getting four out of every five shot attempts yeah and that's atrocious i mean that is just atrocious scoring chances are even worse he's at like 12 and a half percent i mean that's like one out of every eight and so you know it that's unacceptable that uh you know that, and it's not just on Oshie. It's Kuznetsov also. It was Hagelin when he was there, uh, and it's been Vrana since he he's been back there. Uh, so you know that line's been bad. The third line, I, I'm not sure where Brett Connolly's been. I think he's been one of the more noticeably bad players uh, for the Caps so far uh, in the series. Um, you know, Hagelin hasn't been good on the second line or third line, uh, and. As far as the fourth line goes, uh, I think that Chandler Stevenson's uh, he doesn't do it for me. And uh, obviously, Nick Dowd had those two penalties. So I don't know. I'd probably throw things in the blender a little bit. I'd probably put Kuznetsov with Ovechkin and Wilson, uh, get Backstrom back, see if he can get Oshie and Vrana going. Uh, and then I might move Burakovsky up to the third line uh, and Hagelin down to the fourth and get, uh, you know, I'd put Yaskin in it uh, for Stevenson, but, you know, I think Travis Boyd's a more realistic option. So that that's what I'd do with my forwards. Um, it, what they're doing right now isn't working. Uh, they, they have two wins out of it, uh, but I don't think it's on – the strength of the five-on-five line combinations. Uh, are, are you satisfied with them? You know, I, I've been pretty, as you said, like the first lines looked good, right? I mean, they've combined for just for some beautifully dynamic plays. Uh, the puck movement's been good. Uh, you know, I'm going to try like not to even like uh, look at any part of game three to assess kind of even that line. Um, I really, as you said, after the Smetchnikov incident, um, I, I was thinking about this and I tweeted about it during game three. Like TJ Oshie is just having like a sneaky bad series. I mean, it's not like, I, if you look at the numbers, it's pretty obvious, but just watching him, it's just like the, the puck is, it's like he's allergic to the puck on his stick. And, um, mm. you know, you, you, the lines you just pitched to me worked, worked for me. So I'm not going to have any changes on there. Um, but I do want to know kind of before we get to, to the defense and, um, you know, really two guys I think it would be really easy to harp on pretty hard is yeah. uh, um, like the power like uh, let's talk about the power play first because I, I think the power play obviously is a bit more driven by the forward group before we go and talk about defense um, you and I were talking about this today and, and and unfortunately we don't at this current time have like the best numbers to look at it but uh, what do you think is going on with the Capitals power play because it you know it looks like Carolina's magic strategy of just kind of going after the puck handler the second they enter the zone is working wonders. Uh, what, what are the Capitals not doing right right now? Uh, I, you know, I, I think it goes beyond just having trouble entering the zone. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I've been saying uh, on this podcast, on our site, for years that the way to play the Caps uh, power play is just to pressure the hell out of them. Yeah. Because if they set up, you're fucked. So, you know... You, you're better off taking your chances. Make them make sharp, crisp passes that uh, connect and make them tic-tac-toe all over the place. Get aggressive with them. And uh, I think you're seeing 
uh, you've seen Carolina adjust and do exactly that after uh, a very poor first uh, game uh, on the penalty kill. You know, first they're ignoring uh, Backstrom, then they're ignoring Ovechkin, and those guys uh, made him pay for it. So um, I think that they've got the right idea in terms of um, pressure. I, I do think the Caps need to throw the their slingshot entry scheme into the Potomac River and drown it. Uh, I loathe it um, with every fiber of my being. Um, and figure out a way to get into the zone better. And then once you're there... Uh, be more decisive with the puck sooner uh, and don't be afraid to shoot. Uh, John Carlson's had some opportunities where it looks like he's uh, been forcing a pass over to Ovi when he's been able to inch in closer and closer, you know, even below the tops of the circle at times. Uh, and you just got to bomb away from there and, and see what happens with it. So uh, I don't know. I, you know, it's it's hard to say. Uh, I do think that entries are a big part of it, and I do think that um, being quicker uh, and sharper with their uh, passing is going to do it. But uh, you know, it's a power play that that wasn't as great this year as it has been in past years, and uh, seems to have fallen off a little bit. Um, you know, the how and why of that could probably be uh, debated. But, um, you know, to me, it, it, a lot of it is uh, about the entries and um, about quick passing and everyone sort of uh, recovering pucks a little better than they are. And that's, you know, we talked about TJ Oshie, and uh, he probably has the easiest job on the entire power play. Um, you know, just sit there in the middle of the diamond, and uh, if it comes to you, shoot it. I mean, it, it made Troy Brower millions of dollars, and that dude stinks. So, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, but where, where Oshie is in the past has always been particularly strong is being in that kind of a uh, puck recovery uh, role. And, you know, maybe he's not doing that quite as well as he needs to. Maybe Kuznetsov needs to get his nose dirty a little bit more on that uh, as well, given where he sets up in that uh, alignment. Um, but they all, uh, they just need to come, uh, you know, what do you want to say that they, they they need to want it more? Uh, oh, no. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's hard to say that they, they need to be um, more precise and quicker in both their decision making and their execution. And then uh, in puck recovery as well and winning battles because they're not uh, right now. And I know that, you know, that doesn't appeal to anybody's sense of, um, you know, data-driven decision-making or whatever, at least the data that we're uh, privy to. But, you know, just look at it. That that game, power play, penalty kill, wherever, uh, the Caps lost a lot of battles. And Carolina, to their credit, you know, is a tenacious team. They, they really get going and they keep going. And uh, they, they definitely deserve credit for the way they've played. This isn't just about the Caps. Uh, playing poorly, of course. It's uh, the the Canes have been very good, and it's a matchup that is giving the Caps a lot of trouble. Yeah, um, agree with that a hundred percent. But I think 
personally, like, so we were talking when we were talking about the say, what I think about when I'm thinking about the power play right now and what they're not doing well is even when they're able to kind of establish themselves. And I think this has been kind of a problem, really, at least like the second half of the season has been that they're just not getting, they're they're not getting enough from really Oshi, Baxter, and Kuznetsov on the power play in terms of shot volume. Uh, you know, it's uh, Oshi this year when 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 you watch him. Um, I just don't think he's. I don't know if he's not making the space as well as he was before, or, or what. But it's just not. It's not the same. They're not getting that. You know, from Kuznetsov or Backstrom to to Oshi to the back of the net. It just doesn't seem to be working as much. And I think that like teams, if teams are adjusting to that by by covering Oshi, right, you're opening up space for either Backstrom or Kuznetsov to shoot. And if they if they're not yeah. taking those shots, then the backside defender can cheat even further to, to cover Ovechkin as well. So right, and then you end up getting a ton more shots from Carlson or those forced passes to Ovechkin. And I, I think, right. like watching it, that I feel like that's what I'm seeing. Like I was surprised yesterday when I saw Backstrom uh, rip a shot on the power play. Like that, that actually I wasn't expecting it when I saw it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean the the threat of the shot there is absolutely critical to. Uh, to the power play success because if they know you're not shooting there, uh, you know, they, then it's four on four, you know, and, uh, with them manning up everybody and covering all your passes. So, uh, I do agree. It's, it's a threat of the Backstrom shot. It's a threat of the Carlson shot. It's the threat of the, uh, Kuznetsov shot as well. Um, because you know, there's always a throw of the Ovi shot, and uh, if it ever comes into the middle, uh, Oshie's willing to pull the trigger too. But it's the the other three guys, kind of on the perimeter of the diamond, who need to become threat. Uh, and uh, you know, the puck moves faster than any skater does. So, and the so the way to get those guys free for shots is with that uh, crisp passing, like we've been talking about. For sure. Um, so let's talk about guys that are struggling with crisp passing. Uh, the Capitals' defense, of course, just generally speaking, a lot of trouble moving the puck up the ice in this series. Holy shit. <laughs> um, and no two guys have struggled more than John, uh, not John Carlson, wrong guy thrown under the bus, than Matt Niskanen and Dmitry Orlov. Uh, you know, to me... Well, I, I mean, I mean, Christian Juice has struggled pretty yeah, damn Yeah, he has too, mightily. but... Like, you know, his probably struggled less often because he's simply not on the ice as much. <laughs> so, so he has less opportunities to fail. I mean, uh, Niskanen is just having a—he had a bad regular season, and in my mind, he's having an awful playoff. Um, and you know, or- Orlov has not looked much better, but man, oh man, it's like he's—he's—he's he's, he's lugging around a guy who's got no wheels at all and can't move the puck. Uh, what can the Capitals do with the defensive units to get to kind of? make things look a bit better in game four. Well, I, I do think that, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame Orlov's uh, problems on Niskanen necessarily. Uh, he, he may be dragging around Niskanen, but Niskanen is spending a lot of time covering for Orlov too. It is just a uh, relationship that worked really, really well uh, for a while and uh, hasn't now uh, worked as well for a while, although in the second half of the season, it looked like it was back on track uh, to a significant degree, you know, kind of uh, quietly, they got their shit together and were playing well, but uh, that has not been the case uh, in the playoffs so far. Um, you know, the 
the big bottom line on the blue line is uh, that it, it, it's impossible to overstate how uh, how much they miss um, Michael Kemney. I mean, that injury fucked everything up. And, uh, you know, it's good that they got uh, Nick Jensen. He's certainly one of the team's top six defensemen right now. Um, <laughs> how's that for, Great. for high yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Um But, you know, it, it, it shifts everybody to uh, roles for which they're not necessarily uh, as well-suited um, in a lot of ways. It, you know, it puts... It puts John Carlson on the left side if he's playing with um, uh, if he's playing with Jensen, which isn't great. I mean, the guy's finishing up his best year in the NHL. Uh, he's played right side his whole career, and you know, with two games left in the season, you move him to the left side. That that is not to me a, a real confidence in inspiring uh, move. Um, but then. You know, other things are, are aren't working either. I mean, Christian Juice looks completely overmatched every time he's on the ice, and this is a dude who uh, played at, from Game Three of the Columbus series last year uh, through the, the Game Five of the Vegas series. Uh, so, you know, that guy's a Stanley Cup champion, and he looks like a you know midget player out there, and he's just not he's not playing well. He's making brutal turnovers whenever he's on the ice I, I suspect you know maybe he'll get a seat for uh you know Siegenthaler in game four but that remains to be seen uh, you know I don't know they need to figure it out fast uh this is Todd Reardon's uh bread and butter is the defense supposedly so uh maybe he can figure out how, how these guys can sort of get their heads back on straight but they've been They've been uh, bad as a, a group, uh, and you know what do you do with them? Uh, I mean, I, I probably would m- split up Orlov and Niskanen. Uh, I'd put Orlov and Carlson together as my top pair. Um, my second pair, I guess, would be Orpik and Niskanen to start right now. Um, Orpik. Uh, the numbers, as always, are unfavorable to him, but uh, he hasn't been markedly worse than some of the other guys out there. So uh, in the world of reality, I think that's a realistic move that they could do to probably improve uh, some things that they're doing. And then I play Siegenthaler and Jensen on my third pair, and if either Siegenthaler or Jensen or both of them together uh, show that they can play a little more, take a little bit of uh, more of a load, I'd give them all that they can take. Uh, you know, Jensen's a guy that seems to be another one of these uh, confidence guys where once he starts uh, spiraling, it gets bad fast. Um, he started out really well, I think, for the Caps, but uh, down the stretch wasn't as good. Um, and so maybe he gets back on track uh, with a consistent uh partner uh, like Siegenthaler in some sheltered minutes versus having to step into that company role, which, uh, frankly, he's not cut out for. So, I don't know. Uh, that's probably what I'd do. There aren't any real great options uh, on the blue line right now, to be honest. Um, but putting uh, a Norris 
caliber guy, and, and that's what John Carlson was this season. Uh, putting him back on his natural side seems to be where that—that's where I would start, uh, and everything kind of uh, flows from there uh, because uh, what they're doing now it just uh, isn't working. Yeah, I mean, it, it was probably a couple years ago now, but we talked about like kind of what, like great coaches do, and they put their 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 best players in the position in the best position to succeed. Um, and I I don't, I don't know if I like you know strapping a, one of John Carlson's hands behind his back or something, or just just putting him in a position where it's going to be tougher for him. I I know sometimes right. you just have to fill a hole, but um, you know Carolina has some gamers on on that roster, uh, not a ton of them, but. Uh, you know, if, if you're going to have John Carlson going up against him, you probably want him on the side that he's most comfortable. Um, even if that does make his deep partner a little, a little bit more unsteady, but, um, I, I guess, so John, let, let's say that things don't get better. Uh, you know, we talked about how it'd be okay. Cause the capital still have a banner, but, um, you know, do, do you think there would be any sort of, I don't know, organizational repercussions, or, or do you think management still is kind of riding the high of uh, of, of last season? Uh, well, um, I mean, obviously from a, a personnel standpoint uh, on the ice, uh, I think that they'd maybe reconsider some of the free, the pending free agents that they might want to resign. They might uh, have second thoughts about whether that's a, a Hagelin or a Connolly or whomever um, after the playoffs, if things don't go well. Um, but uh, I mean, to me, to be completely honest, if I was Brian McClellan and this thing goes sideways and uh, the caps lose this series, uh, you'd have to convince me to keep Todd Reardon. Uh, I I would be in a position where uh, he hasn't impressed me a, a ton this year. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, obviously he wouldn't have gotten uh, things done in, in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, this is... You can win a lot of games uh, in the regular season based uh, solely on the talent advantage, which is something that the Caps have had for a decade now, uh, more than a decade now. And uh, I think that's why you've seen so many great regular seasons and uh, not as many great postseasons out of this team. Uh, So, you know, Todd Reardon won the Metro Division with uh, Brian McClellan and George McPhee's roster, and that's that's not nothing. Uh, but uh, this is where coaches, uh, you know, separate themselves uh, in good ways and in bad ways. And uh, in the playoffs, there's a lot more focus on uh, your opponents. It's a lot more focus on adjustments. It's a lot more focus on motivation, uh, and, you know, matching the opponent's level of intensity. And, uh, you know, I am willing to give Todd Reardon the benefit of the doubt. Let's see what he comes out with in game four. Let's see what he comes out with the, the rest of the series uh, and the rest of these playoffs. Uh, but so far, he's he's looking every bit the... Uh, you know, a rookie head coach. And, uh, you know, we, we could probably sit here and talk about whether game three happens if Barry Trotz is still here. But, uh, you know, I don't know that that's going to be of any value to anybody. So, uh, because he's not. And, uh, you know, now is the time for Todd Reardon to uh, 
show that he is a capable head coach, that he can manage his roster, that he can get the results. Because while it is on the players uh, ultimately to execute, um, you know, if the coach doesn't have the right plan or if he can't communicate that plan to a point that the players can execute it, it it comes back on him. And so, uh, you know, I I don't know – whether that would be a realistic option to change coaches. Uh, but it would be pretty, if, if this series goes the way that uh, it has in terms of, uh, you know, run of play, but uh, the results start favoring Carolina more. Uh, I'm not sure that Todd Reardon uh, will have demonstrated that he has what it takes to win with this roster and this roster uh, isn't getting any younger. Uh, you know, next summer, I think it's Nick Backstrom and Braden Holpe are up uh, for free agency. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't waste any of the years I have left with Alex Ovechkin, uh, hoping that my coach can uh, figure it out. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess... I guess it sounds like I'm ready to to fire Todd Reardon if the Caps don't win. Well, all right. So in our in our roundtable predictions, John, you picked the Columbus Blue Jackets to beat Tampa Bay. I did. Um, and I'm thinking about like kind of mid series adjustments. Everything you just said. I, I think you and I both really like John Cooper, but he's just like, what what do you do if you're like, well, first off, you know, how smug do you feel about your prediction? Second. <laughs> well, I mean, as of, as of the recording of this, uh, Columbus has not won the series yet. Well, they're, they're, um, they're up 3-1 they're up to one right now, so just so you know. Uh, yeah, and yeah, that's... That's super. Uh, you know, I, I feel uh, I, I didn't like this matchup for uh, Tampa, and I didn't... I was really hoping that uh, the Caps didn't draw Columbus because uh, I think they present a matchup problem for the Caps as well. Uh, they present, present a matchup uh, problem for probably every team in the league because they're good. And uh, they have a lot of good forwards. They have good uh, a handful of good defensemen. They have a goalie who's capable of being great, even if he hasn't been in the playoffs in the past necessarily. They have a coach who... Eh, I mean, he, he's he's shown he can win some some games. Uh, he, he's he's also won a cup, although that was uh, quite some time ago. Um, yeah, they're they're a dangerous uh, team. So uh, you know, it's not wholly surprising to me that uh, I mean, it's it's surprising at how they're dispatching of Tampa. But uh, you know, I thought it would be a tough out for Tampa, and like you said, I picked Columbus and. Uh, you know, we'll see. So th- that that was the first of all. How smug do I feel? I feel great. Uh, what's the second of all? What do you? I mean, John Cooper just got signed to an extension in Tampa oh, right. Bay. What? What would? I mean, I, I I don't even know how an organization would bounce back from something. I mean, I, I really think if Tampa gets swept, they will dethrone the uh, 2010 Washington Capitals as like the most uh, disappointing first round. And and that's not even. I mean, Washington got halocked. I mean. Tampa's just getting right. outplayed. The Caps won three games that series. Exactly. Um, I, I think that Tampa would have 
uh, no choice but to um, kind of say it it happens, we'll learn from it, we're not changing anything. Uh, we had a historically good regular season. Uh, that's the team that we are. And, uh, you know, we had our, our number one defenseman banged up. We had this, that, and the other thing, ran into a good team. Uh, but we're not going to throw, uh, we're not going to do a massive uh, organizational uh, reboot uh, because of one playoff series, and I think that they'd be right to do that. I mean, I think there probably are tweaks to be made, um, but you know, you you would start to get concerned uh, about Cooper. I think that Cooper was pretty handily outcoached by uh, Barry Trotz last year, uh, which was not something that I expected, um, and uh, you know, the the disappointment there is probably starting to mount. I mean, if Steven Stamkos was Russian, he would have already been probably kicked out of the league for his lack of production uh, in crunch time. Um, you know, a guy like Kucherov losing his shit and costing his, uh, you know, costing his team by uh, sit, having to sit out a game. That's not uh, good. <laughs> so, uh, um so, yeah, I, I, I don't know where you go from there. I don't know if you can go anywhere from there other than just sticking with the plan because, uh, you know, we know all too well about uh, overreactions. Um, but, you know, it, it, with twenty twenty hindsight, uh, I haven't seen Bruce Boudreau do all that much uh, since he left town either. So uh, I, I think that, that coaches learn and maybe they maybe they do maybe they don't um but i don't i don't think there's anywhere for tampa to go uh from here other you know i don't think they're going to start dumping Braden point and you know signing ryan reeves or that kind of crap so uh you know i, I think that uh i think that they'll kind of soldier on but uh maybe pay attention to some uh, some different details than they've had the chance to this season. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, they, they can learn from, from the caps of the past. I mean, yeah, Brudreau hasn't hasn't really done anything, but he, he's never he, – I don't think he ever really had a team as good as Washington again. But uh, that that is a discussion for another podcast. Um, yep. John, I, I guess um, – any any thoughts on the other series going around? I mean, at the time of recording, Pittsburgh is is, is down three nothing in their series as well. Um, and some other competitive series around the league. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd be thrilled to see the Penguins get swept out of the playoffs. Uh, I'd be happy for Barry Trotz, and hopefully uh, that would set up a. Uh, reunion next round between trots and uh the caps um you know i haven't i haven't watched a whole hell of a lot of the playoffs i, I try to on my caps off nights i try to uh de-hockey my life a little bit uh to the extent i can uh so i haven't watched a ton but uh you know it, it you know if the penguins are out if the lightning are out if the heck if the caps are out uh, you've got a lot of sort of fresh blood uh, in the next rounds of the playoffs. I think um, if the Penguins lose and the uh, Bruins lose, 
I think that the most recent cup winner left in the playoffs is going to be the winner of uh, Caps Canes, and that would mean that would mean the Canes in two thousand six. You know, yeah. I think there's been a, a bit of a, a change. You know, maybe it, maybe it's a bit of a changing in the guard. You know, when uh, the Blackhawks and Kings aren't making the playoffs, the Penguins. Uh, you know, who knows where they go from here? Uh, that kind of thing. So. Probably good for the league, but uh, I'd be happy uh, if the Caps could figure out a way to get right back uh, to where they were. Uh, you know, it could be Vegas too. Vegas looks awfully good, uh, and that roster looks pretty pretty stacked right now. So uh, I think that they're they're in a good sh- in good shape out west. Um, not sure anyone else else out west scares me uh, too too much, but uh, that's getting way way ahead of ourselves. <laughs> we have uh, <laughs> we we need to uh, we need to focus on uh, hopefully seeing the caps uh, go up three one. You know, it, I guess I guess the reality of the situation is um, as bad as game three was for the caps. Uh, it, you know, it's just one game, yeah. and uh, they're still up to one. That you, your goal in any of these playoff series, realistically, in the first four games, is to hold serve at home, which they did, and to split on the road. And they still got a chance to do that. So, uh, you know, recency bias aside, with how horrible this feels, and you know, it's a little more than that given some of the underlying numbers. If you're um, a devotee of, of such things, uh, but uh, you know, the, the Caps eke one out in Game Four, whether by hook or by crook or whatever, and they're they're going to be uh, in pretty good shape in this series, I would think. Although you know, three one in the Caps, you know. <laughs> You know, that, I think that that might be the better the better quote. Originally, I was just going, man, I, the lead's got to be Caps play worst playoff game in franchise history. <laughs> John Press looks towards Stanley Cup final opponent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Uh, or, or, or or if the Caps lose, uh, I, I fire Reardon. So yeah, uh, that, that, yeah. So, <laughs> but very very measured reactions tonight. Hey, I mean that, that that's the fun of the playoffs, right? The, the point of the playoffs is isn't to be solely logical. So, um, hey, we we we've done that more than long enough. So, John, I, I've got no, nothing else really to add to this conversation. What about you? Uh, no. No, I got nothing. I, I wish that this game was uh, game four was uh, Wednesday night instead of Thursday. Sitting there and stewing on this uh, that turd that they laid uh, for an extra day sucks. But you know, hopefully, it sucks enough to m- properly motivate them. Yeah, definitely. Well, on behalf of myself and John Press, thank you for listening to this episode of Japers Rink Radio. As always, please give us a follow on Twitter a like on Facebook, and a five-star review on iTunes. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon.